welcome to the Rebel Rebel podcast. If it's your first time here, welcome. So glad you can join us. And if you've been listening for a while, welcome back. My name is Somia Ganapathy, and I will be your host. This episode will be about the state of the oceans, plastic pollution, and what we can do to help. I will be speaking with Bill Hickman, who is the regional manager for Southern California for the Surfriders Foundation. I found Bill to have very deep knowledge when it comes to this topic and was so glad to be able to speak with him. He shares a few resources during our conversation, and I'll be sure to link those in the show notes. Hi, Bill. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Surfriders Foundation, and how you got interested in Surfriders Foundation? Sure. Uh, my name is Bill Hickman. I am the Surfrider Foundation Southern California Regional Manager. So I currently assist our chapters from San Diego up to Santa Barbara and help uh, our volunteers hopefully reach their full potential and uh, give them support and kind of act as a liaison between our headquarters and our local chapter. Uh, Surfrider is an international organization here in the United States. There are over 80 chapters and over 100 student clubs. So we have a really strong presence locally, um, basically everywhere coastal in the United States. So it's great. Um, I originally got started as a volunteer, uh, shoot, over 20 years ago now with the San Diego County chapter. I moved out to San Diego after college and wanted to uh, just give some community service. My parents were involved um, with some local organization when I was growing up, and it seemed like a good fit for me and with the extra time I had. So I got involved with the local Surfrider Foundation chapter because I love to surf. Uh, I'm an animal lover, and I wanted to kind of help protect uh, all of the marine life that can't speak for themselves and uh, can get impacted by plastic pollution, um, urban runoff, oil spills, all those things. So essentially I was a local volunteer. Um, I eventually served on the local executive committee and then uh, got a job with the San Diego County chapter. I kind of switched careers from the financial management field into surf rider. And here I am, you know, over 15 years later, still working for Surfrider, and it's really a dream come true to help uh, work with uh, great co-workers and volunteers who really dedicate a lot of time and effort into protecting the coast, and have had a lot of success, um, but there's still a lot of uh, great work to do, so um, that's where I'm at now. I know Surfriders has a plastics campaign Would you mind talking about the impact of plastics on the ocean? Sure. Um, I think sometimes there's a bit of a fallacy with plastics. People see them, you know, maybe for five or 10 minutes uh, longer if we're lucky, and then they'll put it into the recycling bin and hopefully it gets recycled. Um, But first off, less than 10% of any plastic out there gets recycled. So that's a lot of plastic going to the landfill or that is leaking, they like to call it, um, out into the environment. Uh, and, uh, you know, the ocean's downhill from everywhere. So uh, once it rains and urban runoff starts collecting things, it sends them out into the ocean. So uh, most plastic is created, uh, made from fossil fuels, whether it's natural gas or oil. 
So obviously the extraction of fossil fuels is a, a, a damaging process and uh, it, it can help accelerate climate change. And uh, a lot of times the communities near the plastics manufacturers where they convert those um, fossil fuels to plastics are in lower income neighborhoods. And a lot of the production of plastic can have health impacts nearby. Um, some plastic is made from um, sources like corn, uh, they call it bioplastic. And while that may have a better starting material, um, at the end of the day, there are lots of drawbacks and um, warning signs for bioplastics as well. So um, as uh, bioplastic, excuse me, as plastics in general, um, you know, enter the environment, they can also um, have impacts with wildlife um, that may mistake plastic for food um, and, uh, you know, things like we've seen, you know, such a wide variety of animals from turtles getting, you know, stuck with straws in their um, nose to, you know, camels eating plastic bags on a regular basis. So, um, you know, the, the wide variety of issues from, um, pre-production to post-production for plastics are really alarming. And, you know, the, the data, the information that's coming out is, is really hard to, to keep up with all of the red flags as far as the potential impacts on human health and, you know, the plastics and plastic byproducts and uh, things like that that are being detected in um, so many places, you know, from, from humans to um, you know, the, the furthest stretch of, of the environment, the tops of the mountains, mass microplastic fiber. So, uh, you know, it really is a big issue, um, you know, worth uh, driving attention to, you know, almost on par with the potential impacts of climate change. It's almost like plastics are climate change to, to some extent and one of the things that's fueling it. I really appreciate the connection that you mentioned with plastics being derived mostly from fossil fuels. And even if it's bioplastics, it's not really that much better. And I think it's almost, it's a misnomer because there are a lot of issues with bioplastics as well. Yeah. At the end of the day, um, you know, once it's made into a plastic, it's going to, you know, bioplastics just going to behave like a regular plastic. It's going to be tough to recycle. They like to claim that it's compostable, but um, you know, it takes one of the, the high heat um, compost facilities to, to truly break it down. And, you know, some of the anecdotal info I've heard is that they don't like to deal with a high percentage of it because it's just a bit troublesome. If it, um, you know, leaks out into the environment, it's just going to be like regular plastic pollution that, you know, takes years and years and years to, to break down and, you know, never, you know, fully biodegrades in our lifetime. So, it's, it's one of those greenwashing efforts, I think, you know, people just, you know, like to use it as a, a, a possible great solution, but, you know, all the experts that I see say it's not. Yeah, totally agree. I know Surfriders has been pretty active when it comes to introducing legislation to address plastic pollution. Can you talk about some of the legislation, for example, the Break Free from Plastics Pollution Act? Yeah, the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act is uh, kind of the evolution 
of a long string of legislation that Surfrider has supported, encouraged, advocated for, um, you know, since the you know late 2000s. Uh, since uh, San Francisco was one of the first cities to pass a plastic bag ban to help address plastic pollution. Um, that was really just kind of the tip of the, the plastic pollution iceberg, but something that, you know, helped get people's attention and, you know, helped kind of swing the pendulum a little bit because there are ways that we can tackle these problems. Um, you know, we encourage individual actions uh, as much as possible, but at the end of the day, these, these policy efforts that take a, a broader approach at tackling plastic pollution are the most effective. If you are setting a standard for an entire city, an entire state, um, the entire country to have more sustainable choices that are um, truly better for the environment, um, you know, that, that has the biggest impact. So. Um, you know, the, the Rise Above Plastics program, Surfriders uh, Plastic Pollution Initiative, you know, kind of has a, a number of branches on it. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the focuses is on, um, you know, pushing public policy that helps address plastic pollution because that kind of has the, the biggest impact at the end of the day. That is so true. I think sometimes we focus on individual actions, but you're right. I think having the right policies makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why it's, you know, so important for people to, you know, do their homework when it's time to, to, to vote and, uh, you know, make those choices that they think will um, best uh, service at the end of the day. Um, Surfrider is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So that basically means we're nonpartisan. You know, we're not going to weigh in on elections, um, but we uh, encourage people to, to do the research and, you know, really, um, you know, vote with the environment um, when they can. And Bill, do you have any suggestions on how do you do that research? Because sometimes it's hard to go through all the information and are there good resources or sites that you would recommend? Yeah, that's a great question. There are um, some uh, organizations that have a 501c4 arm and that is, uh, uh, a different, uh, you know, setup as far as not being able to take tax deductible donations, something along those lines. But there are some groups that can provide like a, a slate of, um, you know, recommended candidates. So it's kind of, you know, you, you do have to do a little research and, you know, find out some of those, uh, you know, local or statewide groups that, um, have that information and, you know, make some recommendations. And, you know, really at the end of the day, don't just listen to one source, um, you know, do your homework, um, you know, talk to your friends, your neighbors, um, you know, you'd be really surprised about how in tune some people are with uh, the election and, and can help uh, inform you. So those are a couple tips. Okay, great. Thank you. And I know we talked about policy, but sometimes as individuals, we want to do something by ourselves or with our family. So do you have any suggestions that individuals can do to address plastic pollution and actually the health of the oceans? Sure. Well, really, the top tip is to avoid single use or disposable plastics and trying to embrace and use reusable items as much as possible. So, you know, obviously some of the easy things out there are, you know, taking a reusable bag to the store 
um, you know, avoiding styrofoam cups and using reusable coffee cups, things along those lines. So, um, you know, you're just really doing your best to embrace that reusable mantra and trying to reduce your waste as much as possible. Um, you know, recycling to, to some extent is a bit of a fallacy. So, you know, trying to avoid those items that you just throw right away into a recycle bin and, you know, really fully embracing reusables is great. And, you know, vote with your dollar. Support the businesses that um, are doing the right thing. Your restaurants that are taking a stand and using less plastic and, um, you know, supporting those great businesses that understand um, how being truly sustainable can be good for business at the end of the day. A lot of people want to support those types of businesses and really, you know, don't get too bogged down in it and feel like you have to be 100% the perfect plastic free person. Um, because I think that's, that, that's a reality. That's not a reality with the world we're living in, in some cases. Um, you know, unfortunately, so many products are designed with, you know, extra plastic or, or things along those lines. So if you're getting to 90, 95%, that's incredible. If you get to 100%, that's amazing. Uh, we have um, one of our volunteers up in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, Olivia, who is uh, doing some great things and um, uh, sharing ways that she has, you know, truly minimized her plastic use. And it's really inspirational. But, you know, I don't want people to, to get turned off and think, oh, I have to be perfect or I'm not going to do anything. You know, all those little things are great. And if you can just keep stepping up and, and doing more, that's even better. And I think as more people recognize it's an issue, it's going to be more common to not use as much plastic or not produce as much waste. It's just not in our current vocabulary right now. Sure. Yeah. Hopefully um, plastics are kind of going the way of uh, cigarettes and kind of like a social stigma to, to people who smoke and, you know, hopefully um, use single use plastics. Uh, so um, yeah, you know, hopefully the, the pressure on society will help the situation as well. Wow. I really like that analogy. I never thought of it that way. Right. Do you have any suggestions of talking to elected officials about plastic pollution or just the state of the oceans? Sure. Um, you know, we always encourage people to talk from their local perspective, you know, tell the um, legislators and decision makers, you know, what they're seeing when they go down the beach or take a walk in the park or, um, you know, to the mountains or river nearby, you know, um, a lot of times we can get overwhelmed with a lot of the stats and figures that are coming out. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to get them a little mixed up or, um, you know, maybe quote a fact that isn't totally true. But if you just kind of speak with your heart and talk about some of the, uh, uh, the plastic issues you see locally that are adding to the global problem, um, I think that is effective and helping get legislators to, to take action. Got it. Yeah. And what if someone wants to get involved with an organization like Surfriders? How would someone go about that? Yeah, we encourage uh, people to get involved with your local Surfrider chapter, come out and volunteer uh, with the Surfrider Foundation. You can simply go on to surfrider.org. 
uh, find a list of our local chapters that are out there. And uh, one of our most popular programs are our beach cleanups. Um, it's a simple way for people to get involved. You know, we offer community service for students who uh, need to get some hours. And, you know, it's really important to, to see what's happening out there on our local beaches and help clean it up. Um, and what we like to do is collect data of, you know, what people are cleaning up, how much, and we like to take that data to the legislators and decision makers to help promote change. Because because at the end of the day, we, we don't want to host beach cleanups. We'd rather the beach was clean in the first place and, you know, we could tackle other issues that are out there. But um, until they are, you know, we're going to be doing cleanups. We're going to be collecting data and, you know, pushing for a public policy that um, helps address the issue. So that's one of the easiest ways to get involved. Most of our chapters have monthly or bi-monthly or quarterly chapter meetings where people can come out, learn about a local issue, meet some of the local leaders and find out how to get involved with some of our other programs and campaigns. We do a wide variety of things from water quality testing to um, ocean-friendly restaurants. We have an ocean-friendly gardens program. You're um, really passionate about beach access and making sure everyone has uh, access to enjoy the beach. So there's another a number of ways that we get involved with helping to protect the coast. Got it. Can you talk a little bit about your Ocean Friendly Gardens program and your Ocean Friendly Restaurants program? Sure. Uh, first off is the Ocean Friendly Gardens program that started in the late 2000s as a way for people to help protect clean water at home. Uh, urban runoff is typically the number one source of ocean uh, pollution as far as water quality concerns. Um, you know, especially here in, in Southern California, where it may not rain for a few months. And then uh, in October or so, you get the first rain and we call it the first flush. It essentially um, washes everything from the streets and sidewalks out through storm drains and, and to the ocean. Um, unfortunately, there's only a small percentage of storm drains that have any sort of filtration device on them. Um, so after it rains more than a quarter of an inch, the, um, word out is to not get in the water for 72 hours. We expect high bacteria, uh, a strong chance of, you know, getting a sinus infection, um, you know, uh, or sick another way. So what urban, what ocean friendly, uh, ocean friendly gardens does is that it encourages people to find ways at home to, uh, absorb water that's out there. We call it CPR, conservation, permeability, and retention. We want to conserve water. Uh, we want the rain that does come to be able to, to permeate into the soil and, you know, retain it in, in local landscapes. So uh, we encourage people to use less pesticides, fertilizers, and things like that that can add to urban runoff. So, um, you know, there's great ways to create bioswales uh, in your front yard, backyard that, that look great and can help uh, reduce pollution. And what actually is a bioswale? Uh, bioswale is uh, an area that you uh, create in your landscape where water can be channeled into a specific area that has good drainage so that you can maximize the amount of water 
that is not going that is absorbed on your property and not going out into the street and into the storm drains um you know a lot of houses that have um you know any decent sized roof you know will have gutters that kind of channel that water and then if you can get it into an area of your landscape and that's going to absorb rather than being run off that's a, a great benefit to the environment and then the ocean friendly restaurants program was uh started a few years later everybody's like wow ocean friendly that's such a great term let's have ocean friendly restaurants push there was to encourage restaurants to reduce their plastic use so that's really the main focus of the program is um encouraging restaurants to have reusable items as much as possible uh the items to go that um are disposable that um use less plastic that um you know have paper options and other you know biodegradable options are the top priority and the ocean friendly restaurant program also looks at a couple other elements such as energy use um water use and uh the Choices of food, um, you know, plant-based diets are, are typically a, a lot more ocean-friendly than, you know, meat-based diets. And we obviously want to encourage sustainable seafood and um, other things along those lines as well. Do you have a list of ocean-friendly restaurants? Yes, there is a map of it on surfrider.org. I think there's like a, on the drop-down menu, there's a program page where you can uh, choose ocean-friendly restaurants. And uh, I believe right on the main page for ocean-friendly restaurants is the map of all of them. Okay, cool. I'll definitely link to that as well as the ocean-friendly garden program because I think they're both really interesting and definitely necessary now. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that'd be great. Is there anything else that you'd like to share that I didn't ask you? Uh, I don't think so. That was a, a, a good coverage. Um, you know, just want to encourage people to, to do whatever they can locally, individually, and help create a domino. You know, share sustainability with your friends and family. Get involved with Surfrider. Um, speak up to your local legislators and, and help produce change. You know, it, it all starts with a... Uh, an individual ripple and um, hopefully it'll turn into a, a big groundswell and a, a big wave of positive change. So um, just want to encourage your readers to keep doing positive things and, you know, we can tackle some of these issues, but it's going to take a lot of us. Thank you so much, Bill, for speaking with me. This is really helpful and I appreciate your insights on this topic. My pleasure. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Musical credits go to Purple Planet and the track is Feeling Good.